to sort of meet all of today's performance requirements at, at a minimum, meet, meet them. And then, of course, greatly outperform on, uh, on others because, of, you know, the, yeah. that's justification for adoption. I actually think that Colorado is an incredibly well-suited um, location to do essentially what we're doing, which is our tech art science. We've survived because of the culture and the ecosystem here about just blow up your slaves and get hard work done. How do you entice them? I mean, that's just startup 101. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you not have at that stage? Cash. What do you have an abundance of? Equity and a hope and a prayer. Uh, and I'm pretty good on selling hope and a prayer. <laughs> Welcome to the Proco 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor hosting Proco 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs and leaders and sharing my conversations with them with you. My guests have built very successful businesses while being collaborative enjoying all that Colorado has to offer and doing that with other talented people who would rather be here than anywhere else. This episode is with Doug Campbell, co-founder and CEO of Solid Power, a Colorado company that has developed solid state battery technology. What's that, you ask? You'll learn that early in this episode. What's the big deal? Well, that's the crux of this conversation. The improvement curve on the current battery technology is flattening, and right now, the holy grail of batteries, like those that power electric vehicles, is creating technology that's lighter, less expensive, and longer lasting. Solid Power has figured out how to make a battery that yields a 50% jump in performance over the best lithium batteries out there. They've attracted partners like BMW and Ford. So how did a Colorado startup do that? And what's next? Doug, glad you could join me in Proco 360 listeners via Zoom. Great. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for happen- having me. And uh, yeah, happy to share a little bit about the Solid Power story with your audience. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. And I, probably the best place to start is for you to describe the problem that solid power is in business to solve. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to, I guess I'll answer it, it at different levels. Um, you know, first and foremost, we're, we're right at the center of, of you know, what, what's happening right in front of our eyes, which is vehicle electrification, you know, as, as we as a society push towards a, you know, sustainable energy society, you know, a cleaner form of transportation is, is right, right in the center of that. Of course, enabling EVs is, is, is right at the center of that is the battery. Um, I think it's fair to say that the, the, the main market pain today is a combination of vehicle performance, most notably range, but also to a lesser extent, things like quick charge and then vehicle cost. Every one of those, uh, the battery is the center, uh, right at the center of, of solving that challenge. Um, and for us, which, you know, we're really pushing the envelope on, on battery performance, um, that really puts us right at the center of that storm. Well, haven't, you know, I've been reading all these articles about the improvements of batteries, the, the impressive improvements of batteries, how range has gone up by so much. I mean, is this a problem that still needs to be solved? It is. I mean, lithium ion is increasingly starting to, to bump its head up against its theoretical limits. I mean, by and large, uh, today's lithium ion has mostly remained unchanged when it was introduced by Sony in the 90s. We've pretty much got the same metal oxide cathode and carbon-based anode. Yes, there's been some tweaks. There's been some manufacturing improvements. They've made actually significant uh, improvements in 
uh, performance while also, you know, fairly dramatic drops in cost. Uh, but those, those, those improvements are now getting smaller and further in between. Yeah. So my, just, my, yeah, my comment about the improvement curve flattening, that's accurate then. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So what is a solid state battery? Well, simplistically, it's, it's very simple. You're, you're, as the name implies, you're replacing the liquid electro- electrolyte that you see in today's lithium ion batteries and uh, replacing it with a solid ion conducting material. It's no, no more complicated than that. Hmm. Well, I'm sure it's complicated to figure it out, but, uh, you know, and, and there's one key concept that I read about over and over as I was sort of preparing to, to talk with you. And that's this notion of battery energy density. I mean, yep. that's a pervasive concept. What is it? Uh, literally it's, it's, it's how much energy per unit volume uh, a battery has. The units are watt hours per liter. Um, so it's given a fixed volume, how much, how much, you know, energy or capacity do you have in, in your battery? And so think of it as bang for your buck. Yeah. And so that, that measurement is really what's driving is, is the, is how you measure these, these significant differences that you're looking to make. Correct. Right? Okay. Yep. Yep. So you've talked on your website um, about a true jump and that's in quotes, a true jump in performance. And you're talking about like a 50% jump in performance. Is that, is what does that do to those who want this battery? Well, all things keep uh, staying equal. Um, that would be directly proportional to vehicle range. So literally, the, l- let's say we're talking about some notional electric vehicle and the, the cavity where the today's battery pack is located remains fixed. It just says, okay, if I have 50% higher um, um, uh, energy density, I can basically pack 50% more energy yeah. into that cavity therefore my vehicle will travel 50 percent further longer on a given charge yeah. cool now when you started the solid power journey i mean I, i'm really intrigued because to get your head around solving a problem this big is kind of interesting to me i mean did you start by wondering if something could be created that was better and sort of dabbling around or were you on the other end of like this spectrum where you believed you could solve this problem, you could create a solid state battery that would be a sea change. And then you just set out to do it. Where were you in that mindset? Well, it's important to, to remember that I'm not the inventor uh, when it comes to this, this particular technology. I came to solid power from the business side of things. So I looked at it from the huge market upside, um, recognizing that the market demand for batteries is, is only going to go up and go up fairly dramatically. And of course, dominated by, by mobility. Um, so that was the lens that I looked at at solid power through is that um, I knew I knew a thing or two about batteries. <laughs> I knew the market was huge. And I thought that the underlying technology that solid power was founded on had a very, very compelling value proposition. Hmm. So explain more about, okay, you weren't the inventor, but you saw business opportunity. What was that connection? So like who invented it and how did you get your hands on it to turn it into what you believe now is this business? Well, it's interesting. I mean, we've transitioned fairly dramatically over the last um, seven or eight years, um, you know, all the way to the point that that we look entirely different. Certainly as a company, we look entirely different, but even the technology that, that we're working on today is dramatically different than what it was when uh, when the researchers at the University of Colorado Boulder uh, were working on it. Now, that being said, we would have never have entered into this journey without that initial um, sort of uh, nugget of, of key innovation that, that mm. did come out of the university. 
but honestly, the, the main things that we're working on today have been invented since we left the university. So how did that connection happen though? So the university was doing R and D the creation of a a solid state battery. Somebody there thought this was a good idea. And then how did it go from, we hear about this a lot where universities come up with ideas and then they, then they move into the business sector. How did it find you or how did you find it? Yeah. uh, Simple networking. (laughs) So I, uh, yeah. yeah, So I got connected in uh, through some local, um, local here to the front range uh, connected into those, university professors through some uh, professional societies. Uh, I was initially engaged as an advisor as part of a multi-person advisory board that ultimately uh, didn't prove super successful. Um, but, uh, you know, I ended up um, sort of, of hanging around these, these professors at CU Boulder. And ultimately it was, it was, it was myself who kind of took the ball and ran with it. You know, I ended up negotiating with the university uh, to get the license agreement executed, you know, doing all the logistical matters to set the company up so that it could physically leave. And then I've led it ever since. Wow. I mean, that is a big leap. You think about a lot yeah. of startups. I mean, if you want to create a new software app, right, you just flow chart it out, you hire a few contractors, you make a prototype. Exactly. It's a different kind of a journey, right? To go from yeah. something that works in a lab to this. So what did you have to get into place? I, I mean, team. <laughs> yeah. First and foremost, I'm not the inventor, right? And, you know, we are the very essence of hard tech, hard science. Um, and, you know, you bring up software jokingly, you know, my next life, I'm going to get into software. That just seems fundamentally <laughs> easier. <laughs> but I'd also argue perhaps less, less impactful. I mean, what we're doing yeah. could really have a tremendous uh, impact on, you know, our future society. But yeah, to bring this full circle, it's, it, it is all about team. You know, I know what I'm good at. I'm, I'm good. I'm really, really good at a very small set of things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've learned uh, through my career to focus on that and, you know, compliment myself with folks who are really, really good at those things that I am really, really yeah. not good at. So, all right. So you've got the vision of taking this uh, solid state battery created in a lab and yep. bringing it to market to a significant big market. So who did you have to pull onto your team as key players early on? And that's part A. Part B is like, how did you talk them into it? Because you had to pay them something, right? So sure. how did this how did this work? <laughs> well first you know first and foremost again because I'm not I'm not the technologist. I mean classic, you know, in a hard tech kind of startup, ideally, uh, you've got someone who is the you know dyed in the wool technologist and you've got someone who's got who's the dyed in the wool you know business business person. You know, I, I was more of the latter. Um, so I would say the, the, the key first get for me, if you will, was, was getting our CTO on board. He pretty much joined from day one. Um, and so that was pretty critical because you certainly don't want me establishing a technical roadmap. Uh, yeah. Um, how do you entice them? I mean, that's just startup 101. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you not have at that stage? Cash. What do you have an abundance of? Equity and hope yeah. and a prayer. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty good on selling hope and a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, did this person become a full-time employee right away based on equity or did they keep working on other things, have an income flowing in and, and make a gradual shift into your team? No, nah, it was immediate. It was immediate. I mean, we, we were fortunate enough to have gotten a sizable grant um, uh, from the U S department of energy's RPE uh, program office. And so that's what really allowed us to start um, assembling a team. Did you sell hope to get that grant? Heck yeah, I did. 
because <laughs> you didn't you didn't have anything else. You had licensing agreements and uh, and hope, right? Yeah, and wow. data. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's pretty cool. I mean, you, you think about how how government grants, you know, people. I think sometimes they get a bad name because they go into these weird these weird things, but. In this case, it really served to stimulate the growth of a really new and important technology. Absolutely, I mean, solar power would not exist if it wasn't for, uh, you know, grants and contracts from the from from the federal government. And honestly, I'm a huge fan of of those kinds of funding mechanisms because basically, what you know, RPE and other federal offices did is they stepped in before really the the private investment community was willing to. So they had a higher risk tolerance. And in my opinion, that's what public financing should be doing. It should be helping to make that bridge. You know, that's that was one of my questions too, and that's that early investors, even family and friends, if you were to go to them or angel investors, they don't have the technological understanding to be able to to get what you're saying. So sure. what a great so so getting these grants serves two two purposes. One is it's startup funding, and two is technical validation, right? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Because these are vetted. These are vetted by experts yeah. in the field. That's pretty cool. Take a quick break here. I want to remind listeners, this is Proco 360, named Best Denver Podcast, three years running. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Doug Campbell, co-founder and CEO of Solid Power. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, First Bank, uh, which is Proco 360's newest sponsor, Kinsley Meetings. By the way, I was just speaking with Steve Kinsley, and he is excited at what looks like a resurgence of business meetings and this whole development of hybrid meetings. Uh, check with Steve if you need some input put on that. Thanks also to MicroStar Keg Logistics and Via Technologies. All these great companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Also, thanks to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for support for me and Proco 360. So how hard, Doug, getting back to you know raising money? I mean, at some point, the grants will get you, get you a little bit. How far do the grants get you? For us, they got us pretty far. Um, from, I think the period of, you know, beginning of 2014 through, let's just say mid 2017, uh, I think we pulled in a total of, you know, let's say 13, 14, maybe perhaps even up to 15 million, um, in grants in total. Yeah. So we're not talking chump change here. Wow. Um, but that's actually a drop in the bucket when you're talking about, you know, commercializing the next generation of batteries, but it was, it was a sizable enough amount that it really allowed us to, to de-risk a lot of things such that, that we were in a position that the, the private investment community was then willing to step in. Wow. Well, $13, $14 million is way more than A than I would have expected you to yep. say, but it also it's enough for you to build out a substantial team of experts who Correct. are on board. So let me, but they don't take any equity, right? These grants are not tied to equity, correct? Yep. Yep. So while you're taking 13 or 14 million of grants, you're allowed, you can then hire people and entice them with equity all to build this really dynamic company with a future. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. Um, Was there a eureka moment at some point, Doug, where, where, okay, you knew the technology worked because you saw it work in a lab, but would you, was there a moment where you said, we can make this thing actually scale. This is going to be a, a workable, marketable product. It was really that when we demonstrated scalability. So at, at the time we left the university, it was still, you know, the focus was very much on science. That's 
kind of what basic research is all about. Leave industrialization for for just that industry. Um, you know, for us, we we had a sort of hypothesis, if you will, that the what we were working on could could be compatible with today's industry standard lithium-ion manufacturing processes, but it was just that hypothesis. It was when we validated that that we realized, wow, this is this is a big mm-hmm. deal. That we can rapidly get to scale. Yes, we can do the science, and we will continue and always will continue to iterate on the science, but everything can be rapidly translated to production scale so quickly. Um, that, I think, is probably fair to say was our eureka moment. Well, wow. and was it a moment? Was it a day? Was it a month? You know, oh, it's batteries. Nothing ever happens in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Took a while. Yeah, but that. How many people did you have on your team at that moment when you realized this is going to? Oh, we were maybe dozen, a little over a dozen, maybe fifteen. Pretty small wow. team. Yeah, and then it's a whole next thing, right? One is okay. You know, you can you can produce this, but at some point you have to shift gears from the R and D phase to a manufacturability. Oh yeah. Right. Is that, is that also a, a, a complete trans, like a hard transition or is it a gradual thing? I mean, but you, if you can't get to manufacturability, you cannot win. Right. Correct. 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 Yeah. I mean, it was, first of all, it was a gradual transition. I I would say and even transition. I mean, it was almost like a a bifurcation within the company where we sort of recognize that R&D people are R&D people. You can't take R&D people and take them into manufacturing people. And conversely, you, you can't go in the other direction either. And so over time, we really started to see sort of two teams starting to emerge. Clearly, we had to have a few key folks that would serve as liaisons between the, the two teams. But, you know, we, even today, we've got a robust R&D team full of a bunch of PhD chemists and material scientists. And then, you know, over on the right side, and I don't mean political spectrum, (laughs) uh, we've got these, you know, manufacturing guys that are trained on quality management system and doing things the same time, a hundred times, process spec, documentation, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Because you need Totally different, totally different skills, aren't they? Exactly. Um, It's interesting. You said you've got two or three liaison because I could see there'd be conflict between, you know, the R&D, uh, idealizing that there's always something better. We can always make it better. Yeah. And the yeah, manufacturing yeah, yeah. guys saying, we got to make this stuff. Well, and that's, that's where the management team steps in. And, you know, we're, we're the first ones to say to the R and D team, okay, pencils down, we're done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Seth Godin is famous for saying at some point you got to ship it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I call that pencils down. Your, your solid state batteries, did they have to be, completely compatible with existing, like, did they have to be plug and play where lithium ion, traditional lithium ion were there originally, or are our manufacturers, our partners of yours willing to adapt their technology to incorporate solid state batteries? Yeah, it's a little of both, a little of both. Here's the problem. Anytime you introduce a new technology that provides some sort of new capability, Generally speaking, you know, customers view that as an expansion of capabilities, not a shift in capabilities, meaning they're not going to compromise. Like, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll use some battery references. I'll take your improved energy density and your improved safety, but um, I'll compromise on cycle life. You know, instead of a thousand cycles, I'll, I'll, take, I'll only take 500. That never happens. <laughs> so you have to sort of meet all of today's performance requirements at, at a minimum meet, meet them. And then of course, 
greatly outperform on uh, on others because of you know that yeah. that's justification for adoption. Yeah, that makes sense. They're not gonna. Yeah, they won't give up something to get something else. They want it all yeah. plus. They want it all yeah. plus one or plus uh, two or yeah. plus. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you approach, you've got some cool partners already. How do you approach companies like Ford and BMW? Are there like, are there special channels in large companies for R and D or do you just cold somebody in our cold call them and say, Hey, we think we can make your batteries run better. How does that happen? Well, again, I'll bring you back to how did I get involved with solid power? It's good old fashioned networking. How did I get in the doors of Ford and BMW? It's same good old fashioned networking. That's sort of what I do. Um, and I would say, you know, several years ago, perhaps it was a bit more challenging. Today, it is not challenging at all. Um, vehicle electrification is, it's coming. Um, and frankly speaking, if you're, if you're Ford, your General Motors, your BMW, what's happening over at Tesla is just scaring the crap out of you, right? And so, you know, you've got to move. It's one thing if Tesla's kicking your butt on a product line that represents two or 3% of your overall revenues. It's another when you that's your future. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, generally speaking, when, when we call people pick up the phone. Yeah. That's what I was wondering is, you know, in these meetings, are they skeptical? Or are they, is there such a fear of falling behind that they're like, yeah, come on fear, in and tell us. Fear of missing out is a big thing right now in the solid state battery world. Yeah. So why do you think, you know, I mean, I guess this is a per perennial perpetual question of any big company, they can't, they don't seem to be able to do the really cool R and D that a company like solid power can do. Right. I mean, is our, our GM and Ford and BMW, are they trying to invent their own batteries or, or are they constantly looking for people like you? Well, certainly don't tell them that they can't innovate. <laughs> the company. I, I think they would, they would uh, be, uh, they would wholly reject that um, accusation, but no, no, no. I mean, in, in, in all fairness, I think, and, and gosh, I'll, I'll speak in even broader terms, um, but I would say large corporations, especially here in the United States, and then to a lesser extent in Europe, recognize the power of, you know, American startups, you know, our ability to innovate, our ability to innovate very quickly, our ability to think outside the box, um, you know, despite, again, when it comes to innovation, um, Despite our limited resources, we can turn on a dime. We can make decisions in an instant. You know, it's it's yeah. You know, there's there's not a lot of fat <laughs> in yeah, our organization. Yeah, yeah. That sort sure. of thing. And I and I think the smart the smart OEMs get it. And they 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 look at it like you know I want to I want to harness you know the 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 power of of what these startups can do, yeah. but also helping us bridge because you know what what we're not today is a mass producer of batteries. And of course, that's where this needs to go. And, and yeah. at some point, at some point, either Solid Power or you know Solid Power's you know commercialization partner needs to start looking like a big boy company. But you will be right. I mean, your your goal is to be a mass producer of solid state batteries. Our, actually, our goal is to be a mass producer of solid state battery materials. That's oh, what materials, makes materials. That's that's it, right. It, and, it, and I want to yeah. get into that distinction in just a minute. Sure. I want to remind listeners: this is Proco Three Hundred and Sixty. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Doug Campbell, co-founder and CEO of Solid Power. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter 
read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And please don't forget to rate Proco 360 in your app when you finish this episode. And Will uh, McKenna, your communications guy, and I were talking, he did mention to me that there is a difference between what you just said, manufacturing batteries, manufacturing material, even um, transferring your technology to existing lithium ion manufacturers. So could you talk about that nuanced difference in how you really plan to approach this market? Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at the supply chain, the EV supply chain, you know, and and we'll we'll start at the top or the bottom, however your your perspective is. Obviously the the end customer is the vehicle, right? And and traditionally putting Tesla aside, uh, they they tend to be integrators, meaning they don't really make anything. They just purchase a lot of stuff and then put it together and they make a car. Um, but the components all come come from suppliers. In the case of batteries, they're doing just that. So they're sourcing batteries from the likes of SDI, OG Chem, CATL, Panasonic, et cetera. And then, so if you look at what, what um, the Panasonic CATLs of the world do is they're kind of like integrators too. They make batteries. They don't make materials. They have to get the cathode material. They have to get the anode material. They have to get all those sorts of things from companies like BASF, from companies like Yumicor, essentially like chemical companies. And then if we want to go even further, those guys have to get their lithium materials from the Gunfangs and the Albemarles who are operating the mines, uh, whether they're pulling it out of hard rock or brines or whatever. So that that's kind of the the, the whole supply chain. Where solid power sees itself in, inserting itself is at that materials stage in that supply chain, where specifically we would become a mass producer of the solid electrolyte. So literally our product would look like barrels and barrels of powder hmm. that we would then sell and ship to the cell producers, which pr- predominantly tomorrow will probably be the, the known established names um, that we all, we all yeah. know and well. Yeah. Now, today we look like a cell producer. Uh, we do what goes out our shipping dock is a cell. And that's because you're still proving the technology. Correct. Correct. And there's still a lot of value capture. And we want to make sure that we don't leave anything anything on the table. Um, but it, 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 it then begs the question of any company in our position, you know, what do you want to do? If you want to go become a cell producer, okay, the stakes for that are pretty high. You need yeah. many, many billions of dollars. And next thing you know, you need, you know, you're bumping elbows up against the Panasonics and the CATLs. That's a tough, tough business. And oh, by the way, I also have to go become a qualified vendor into the automotive supply chain directly to the auto OEMs. I mean, talk about putting you through a wire brush scrubbing. Those guys are, they're, they're, huh. they're pretty tough. Yeah. So no, this, I, I see that that's the, the niche that you found uh, and, and it makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Let's um let's go into a sort of a, a wrap-up phase of this conversation. And and sure. I want to always ask, you know, keeping focused on the theme of Proco 360, which is world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. Uh, you've chosen to have Colorado as your home. And I think maybe that's because the technology came out of University of Colorado. But you know, you could be anywhere. You could be in Silicon Valley at this point. Why are you still here? Well, first of all, I personally chose Colorado. So <laughs> there, the intersection was Doug Campbell in Colorado hmm. and the research in Colorado. So therefore, you know, at that intersection was, was the decision to establish ourselves in Colorado. You're absolutely correct. We, we could, we could pull up stakes and go to Silicon Valley. And frankly speaking, you know, uh, you know, we would enter into, into open arms. I, I would never do that. And it's partly because, um, First of all, I live here and raise my family here, and I'm not going anywhere. 
but but secondly, I actually think that Colorado is an, an incredibly well suited um, location to do essentially what we're doing, which is hard tech, hard science. Um, you know, n- not to say that Silicon Valley doesn't do that. Certainly they do. But I would also argue that Silicon Valley is tremendously overhyped. I mean, you know, Silicon Valley startup is the, you know, it's such a stereotype. And, you know, let's face it, investors are lazy. You know, they want to invest in their, their, their backyard. So if you're a Sand Hill Road VC, where are you going to invest? Where it doesn't take you longer than an hour to drive to a board meeting. That's where you're going to invest. And at some point, you're just going to kind of run out of, run out of ideas. And next thing you know, you're just throwing money at whatever, you know, random idea comes out of some Stanford professor. Whereas here, the bar is a lot higher. Right. I mean, yeah, a lot of stuff comes out of our universities, but a lot, a lot of it doesn't, you know, tend to see the light of day. A lot of it doesn't survive through that infancy period. We have survived and we've survived because of the culture and the ecosystem here about just roll up your sleeves and get hard work done. And yeah. that's just that's just how we're wired. And I think it's it's those of us who, are, who have grown up in the, the, the sort of I'll just say Midwest. <laughs> I don't uh, Midwest. Yeah. I don't mean Illinois, although not disparaging uh-huh. Illinois. I actually do mean that, but I mean, you know, not necessarily the West Coast, but just the flyover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you know, you've you've done it now at Solid Power. You've you, you've established credibility in the battery space. Uh, mm-hmm. You're on your way to the the holy grail of of uh, improving performance. So, looking back, what's been the most challenging part of the journey for you? <laughs> I, uh, well, I mean, it depends on the day that you ask me. I mean, I, I, I would argue today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are, you know, our space is heating up in just a very dramatic way. And so we're, we're, we're responding to just an unprecedented level of, of sort of inbound, um, you know, uh, communication. Um, I mean, literally today, you know, we're in the process right now of really deepening and more formalizing our partnerships, um, you know, fundraising is, I mean, again, challenge with batteries is, man, is it capital intensive. So we're constantly in a, in a fundraising mode. So, you know, honestly, Dave, I'm going to punt on that question. Or I'm going to say, ask me in five years. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll be back then. Uh, <laughs> last, last question. Uh, we talked about, you know, the difference between your business and like creating a software app development company, but what do you advise other entrepreneurs who want to sort of change the world with new technology? Well, I would say you've you got to have an ability to, to look in the mirror. You've you got to, you've got to have, you know, you've got to, your ideas has to be subject to criticism. And frankly speaking, you've got to take it well, you've got to, you've got to take statements like your baby is ugly um, and not, not take it personally. Um, and I think, I think, a entrepreneurs need to be able to do that. Two entrepreneurs need to be able, you know, once they've concluded that they have technology platform, a business model that that they think is quite viable, uh, they've got to stick with it. I mean, so many, so many groups, you know, so many individuals um, sort of flame out because it's hard, and you're going to get a hundred doors slammed in your face, right? And you you've got to just not take it personal and keep keep trucking on. I mean, in the early days of I, I don't want to say solid power. I'll say my entrepreneurial journey. There were some dark, dark days. There were some days where, yeah, I had a lot of confidence in myself and I felt I was equipped with a good toolkit, but 
you know, after 50 doors are slammed in your face, it's hard not to say, dang it, maybe I should go get a, a day job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, am I glad I didn't. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, let's wrap up. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and today I'm ProCo360. You've been listening to my conversation with Doug Campbell, co-founder and CEO of Solid Power. Doug, thanks so much. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate Listeners, having me. Glad you could. Yeah, Doug, it was, it was, uh, and I will tell, I'll share with listeners, this was one of my more challenging uh, uh, preparations because I know nothing about the technology, your journey of a hardware manufacturer, well, not hardware, but hard product manufacturer. It's very complicated, I think, sometimes uh, to get our arms around. So I'm, I'm grateful for your indulgence of my questions and I Definitely. enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Listeners, thanks for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, MicroStar Cake Logistics, Via Technologies, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.